You're listening to The 11th Hour, a podcast about Rancid. I am Sam Melancon of Tobacco Records. And I am Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. And each week, one of us picks a song from Rancid's discography. Um, we listen to it, and then we describe all of our complicated feelings and uh, appreciate some, some tunes. Uh, this week, I picked kind of an interesting side part of Rancid's 90s history, which was... Um, I want to riot, which appears in a couple different places and in a couple different forms. Um, probably mostly talk about the original Punkorama version, but um, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of that. understand the punkorama version which was the first epitaph compilation cd uh came out in 1994 uh it had kind of the classic lineup of like that era epitaph on it including rancid but it actually had two rancid songs on it it had hyena from their debut a couple years before i believe let's go had come out or was coming out right around the same time and uh i want to riot was the only non- album track from anybody on the first so random yeah and what's really interesting about it is it's a um it's produced by tim and lars it's you know it's kind of lo-fi for them and it's got it has all three in the um songwriting credits as far as i can tell and uh it's sort of in a lot of ways i guess some of our ideas around time bomb Mm-hmm. Being the first time they dipped back into ska, it's it's maybe not true. And in a lot of ways, Punkorama probably had a pretty large. Right, I mean, those comps were huge. So I think a lot of people, uh, you know, heard Rancid go ska for the first <clears throat> time ever on <laughs> Punkorama a year, year and a half before, probably yeah. just a year, um, before. Yeah. And how come the Wolves came out and. That, that really surprised me. Yeah, yeah, same. It really surprised me. Like I completely kind of forgot about this song until you picked it last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I I, it, I, I had to re- I had to remember the time period because yeah, because then it was like yeah, it's on. I was like, but that was like around Let's Go or even before that. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's weird. And it's, and I. I wonder if, like, you know, with your, you know, you kind of have brought up a few times people maybe weren't super on board with this sort of slide back towards Ska originally with An Outcome of the Wolves as it was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if picking something off of their hardest album and doing Hyena as the other track on this, right. like, did they request two songs so people didn't get the wrong idea? Right. Like, is that a hedge? I mean, it's such a weird thing. Like, they're, they're three tracks apart or something. It kind of feels like song. Yeah, so, like like. So this ahead. came out. Oh, this came, I just looked it up. This came out in November of '94. So it was after. So let's go is out. I believe at that okay. point. Because this, I think this was a. So now that's just kind of interesting. 
So it came out in November. They were kind of blowing up by that point. Because yeah, that's when Salvation started so, happening, right? So maybe, so maybe that's why another reason they had two songs on there. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, maybe they were the big song right then. <laughs> I mean, but still, it is an interesting thing where you've got, like you said, you it, it does kind of feel like the, a hedge, which isn't, which is a thing I feel like they do. Yes. And, <laughs> and I think this is like a really interesting, I mean, maybe we're reading way too much into it and they like probably but, but like i don't know there's not a lot of reason to put hyena especially no. in yeah this why track is it on there why is, yeah i mean you've got 20 songs from could have been nihilism it could have been radio it could have been all these things that are like yeah. legitimately better songs to get people hooked on rancid yeah they maybe wanted to test the water of this like we like third wave ska you know mm -hmm. second wave and third wave ska especially and you know, we want to start doing that, and we're gonna start doing that. Let's we recorded this demo, like, yeah, I, it does really feel like I can't, I can't think about another reason why they would put two tracks on. No, it, it I don't, it's, it's very, yeah, and nobody else, like, if, if a couple other bands, you know, if like Pennywise had two tracks, or like Bad Religion, or I don't even remember who else is on. I mean, it's like all the. Yeah, it's like yeah. those guys ranted us um, and a few, you know, all that. No facts, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Can, can you hear this truck? No. Yeah. Okay. Tell me when you can, because it's be, the recycled truck is coming. It's being really. I guess I'll have to shut the But it gets like crazy loud right under my door when they come. So. Uh, or my window. Uh, okay, what were we saying? Well, um, yeah. If if we had if you had two Pennywise tracks on here, it would be super weird because it's like every Pennywise track sounds the same. It sounds fine, but it's like surf <laughs> punk, you know, and that's all it is, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird choice. Um, the song itself is like a really straight ahead, kind of mid tempo. Very ska oi doesn't even get into like it's not smooth enough to be rock steady. In a way, thinking yeah. about it in in the um in the cycle of the band, it's almost like they're prototyping their ska sound and they didn't fully get there. That's kinda yeah, I mean to me it even has um Yeah, it doesn't feel as fully realized or polished as any of the ska songs on and out come the wolves and it even i even think kind of it reminds me at least some of the guitar and stuff more of like op ivy honestly like, yeah the, the very um, like picky kind of clicky yeah and it, like it doesn't have the kind of i don't know there's this sort of like harsh edge to op ivy that makes is why they're so great i mean there's a lot of reasons why they're so great but it's it like it doesn't get all the way there so it's not good in that way like it's not bad don't get me wrong but like no, it's fine um but it's not it's yeah it's kind of it's stuck in the middle of um you know I, where they got obviously it's like oh yeah God, okay. it, it, it's nowhere it doesn't touch any of the songs on that from the wolver life won't wait i don't think and it it doesn't completely swing and it doesn't go very it's kind of slow too at the same yeah. time like it doesn't go fully into it's very like trying to be in that kind of specials mode i feel like like kind of yeah it was like and it, the whole song itself to me seems like there's also a little bit of air cover in that they're naming it after the 
basically the first Clash song, you know, like, right. like I Want to Riot is from White Riot, which is one of the more <laughs> uh, interesting to look back on, <laughs> which I get, like, I think the intent of yes. that song is fine, but it's an incredibly British roundabout way, white British kids roundabout way of saying, you know, I want to riot too, just like the black kids do, and it's just like, right, right. oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically saying white kids are wusses. It's talking about how right. <laughs> all these disaffected youth are actually don't want to go to jail and are, you know, trying to go through the, you know, these systems and all these things, and he's saying we should be more fearless, and that messaging is fine and good, but <laughs> it right. is about white riot, I want to riot. But it's like one of the songs it is the first class single i believe and um yeah it is just classic from the first clash album sort of so you get a little bit of like no we're like the clash you know reference right. to that. and um you know so obviously a huge touch point for those guys and um and sort of hinting at where they're going to go you know with an outcome the wolves being the most clash like i think of all their albums um well life went away too but yeah. um it it so there's not a lot to it it um and it does feel really interesting i feel like you don't get this like one of the things that i think is i kind of pull from it and i go mm-hmm. oh that would be more interesting is can you think of other times where tim's guitar is this clean and like surfy or I, i'm assuming I'm trying, tim's guitar. I, yeah i it's that it's the that first very, channel like, on you the mesa boogie <laughs> yeah, oh God, you're right. <laughs> I was like, sorry, that's like one of my favorite parts of that yeah, documentary, even though it's so I stupid. Just have two channels, and that's yeah. it. There's uh, this one. <laughs> it just, it, it's so Spinal Tap, but this goes to eleven. Like it's yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> anyway. 100%. Um, and it, yeah, I I assume it's Tim. Also, yeah. like I assume it's Tim too, just because after the uh, I mentioned before the conversation I had with my friend John when he saw yeah. a lot, like. Lars like can't play the Lars upstroke. Can play. Yeah. <laughs> and this but is it's not er- like an upstroke. It's like a well, it's, it's like this little lead is what I'm thinking about. I think of the like Oh, that part. Zelda. Yeah, that also feels like Tim though. You know Yeah, it we, does, right? It feels we, very it's Tim. We talked about like really early on, like one of the first episodes, how we feel like we can kind of tell Tim solos versus Lars solos, which sometimes mm-hmm. it's not it's a little more muddy, but this feels very much like a Tim solo. Yeah. But that production and that sort of like there's something going on. There's some affectation going on to it. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I feel like that's something they tried on with this song and maybe walked away from a little bit, but I really like, and it sounds like some future Tim solos, but something yeah. about it being so clean and so like apparent in the mix, I really like. And I, I would like to hear a little bit more surfy kind of noodling from Tim for sure. Yeah. I, that I kind of had the, I had the same thought when I was listening to, I, it, it just kind of tickled this very kind of specific thing and and it might be like i it may all speak as like surf inspired music is very front of my brain right now because i just did an interview with this guy nick millivoy he's in this band grassy sound which if, you, if anybody's listening to this oh god it's like him and ron stabinski who plays organ for the meat puppets and a bunch mm. of other stuff and so it's organ and guitar and it's that's basically all it is but it's like it's this kind of like surf music meets the twilight zone and it's great oh so good so anyway and i've i've been editing this interview like the last two days so it's like very (laughs) when i was listening to this i'd be in and i thought oh that's kind of an interesting 
Yeah, I would be totally into t- and like kind of going down that road a little bit more and exploring that. You know, I have a vague memory that the solo Tim album has a couple sounds like that on it, but yeah, it's something yeah. to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Like, because, but it really does seem like they're prototyping their ska sound here, and um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a, to me that's a, that this. It's like the test. They're we're gonna do a test case. We're gonna see how this goes over. We're gonna see how it works, and it it clearly either you know they got what they wanted from it and developed it yeah. further. You know, yeah. I mean, they didn't get too scared off, obviously. Yeah. Um, for sure. I also think uh, this has a little bit of the beginning of Lars stretching out even further lyrically and and rhythmically on mm-hmm. his vocals, and I there's definitely some kind of. Uh, kind of endearing elements to some of the ways the phrasing on the vocals like the if i want what's the line about like if i have a right well it's almost like a question will people come like oh man i'm, yeah. I'm failing out really hard um well we haven't damn it there's no i was like oh we'll just look at the song the script notes i oh, didn't there. put it in there <laughs> but... well here we yeah no with... i yeah here we go uh, okay, so hold on. I can get back into that. Uh, I hope I can give you something I can get you back into. Anyways, I... I... I'm not going to edit right. any of this out. We'll just leave it. Just God go damn it. it. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways. So, yeah, uh, Lars, I really like the phrasing. I like the... Um, if I start a riot, will I get protection? There's yeah. something about the phrase. I don't know. There's something about it that it feels like he's trying to sing on different parts of the beat a little bit more on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, it doesn't, I mean, it, there's nothing wildly different. It just kind of feels like the beginning of Lars trying some things that are a little outside of their, like, yeah. let's go, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's another kind of takeaway from this too is, you know, we've, our, I feel like our, um, at least my opinion of let's go has changed a lot in the last few months. And, um, I, I think, yeah, I think this is uh, kind of in some ways like the beginning of them. Okay. We're more than just like a three chord punk band. Like we can do more. We have more capability. Mm-hmm. Like, um, let's, you know, and, and it's interesting too, you know, talking about Lars pushing himself and thinking about all the Lars interviews, I've heard where he talks about, you know, Tim's the captain. Tim has the, it's, so it makes me wonder, is like, is Tim the one behind, and I, you know, behind him going like, hey, you know, why yeah. don't you, um, let's try this one. Yeah, yeah. I think we could do it, you know, I don't know, but I, I, it's, it, it's funny for a song that I'm pretty honestly kind of ambivalent about overall. Um, it feels like really important. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a turning point. Yeah. Man, uh, sorry to go back, but like, I'm remembering that, like, I really like a lot of these lyrics. I think the song is just kind of flat. Mm-hmm. And I forget, I love the, if I, I raise my hand, I've got another question. If I start a riot, will I get protection? Because I'm a kid who's got a lot of problems. And if I throw a brick, maybe the brick will go and solve them. That's a great. Into the, like, that rising action into the, oh, yeah, I want to riot. Like. Yeah. Oh, it's great. There's actually some of the better lyrics. I know. I'm remembering some of these. Uh you know the other kind of interesting thing lyrically too, or I don't know if it's interesting, but I think it's worth talking about is 
Um, and we've touched on this a little bit, you know, Lars, one of the things that he really brought to Rancid is kind of the oi influence and the mm-hmm. oi thing. And yeah, this is, yeah. And this has got the oi's in it. Um, and, and I know at the time, and maybe still, like there's, it's kind of murky, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know, I know when I've, and, and to be clear, I don't have, think, you know, like Lars or, or like these like skinhead racist, anything like that, you know? I mean, we're all racist in our way. And I'm not going to go down that road, but anyway, um, like when I first heard of Oi, it was in the context of like white skinheads, and yeah, and so and so my initial uh, association was always like was with white supremacists and you know um, that mm-hmm. kind of shit, and then and so as Rancid kind of brought some of that influence in more and talked about it explicitly and at first I was really uneasy about it because I was like oh shit <laughs> yeah. but um, I mean they must I be think... the biggest influencer in terms of like American understanding of like original British oi right? yeah it's like oh it's not that's not where it like I, and I don't have a deep knowledge yeah, I of... think it's like any one of these like very populist kind of pubby yeah tough guy music where it goes into one of two directions right like it yep. kind of goes in this like populist union pro you know like mm-hmm. all that stuff rides a line I think absolutely my, my like terror of getting into Do- dropkick murphy's at first because i was like i can't tell if these guys are just want to beat the shit out of everybody and are basically now would be like proud boys and then what's nice is they're not they're kind of the opposite they're like super pro-union liberals that right. to, you know protect everybody against those shitheads but it seems like that's such a common thing like new york hardcore it's split right down the middle like, like yeah you know um like there's such a danger to heavy young white men getting into a sort of aggressive music style and and there's there's this natural split of like I'm aggressively yep. into these populists, like um, you know, leftists more than even liberals uh, values, right, right, and then, right. or I'm <laughs> basically yeah. a bunch of proud liberals right. trying to create you know racial tension constantly, and it's like uh, I I guess my understanding kind of secondhand has always been Oi was like kind of one of the original versions of that where yes. it was this pubby kind of soccer hooligan meets the you know. Uh, populist actions, right? Of like, right. you know, that were very popular in the seventies, late seventies in <laughs> right. in England because of all the stuff going down, and and it also a lot of the original skidheads and oi kind of kids were like actually like coming from the same neighborhoods as the Jamaican kids doing you right. know, early right well, and Scott and all and this sort of relationship between the two things. Absolutely, and I you know, and I think and. I, for me like the main when i think of oi and rancid the this isn't like my where my head goes first it's like avenues and alleyways which has the you know the oi 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 yes. on but that whole song is about like that one specifically like trying to re-legitimize right. oi and, and yeah and, and so um yeah i don't know i think it, i that's when i i was like you said i think I, I learned i learned a lot from trying to figure out like when i was a teenager like oh shit are these guys a bunch of <laughs> like yeah exactly and, and then uh, you know I don't know if I I can't remember if I've told I've talked about this on the podcast or if this was me having a conversation with somebody else but I remember seeing an interview with or listening to or reading an interview with Lars where he was talking about 
like taking his friends, like his friend was getting rid of his record collection and he took the screwdriver records. And yeah, he's got this like weird rant about that always spooks me out a little bit about how he's like taking them off. Basically what taking him out. Uh, he, he was, out said, he was like, I didn't want, something. yeah, like I didn't, I don't want some other kid, to, like some kid who doesn't know so what it is. Just fucking burn it. You know I know, that's mean? the funny, I, like, it's like on the on the surface, if you don't really think about it, it's like, oh, that's, you know, good for you, man. But yeah, like just trash. Yeah, them. and I, I, for people that don't know, Screwdriver's kind of a famous, like, skinhead racist band. Yeah, from right. England. <laughs> and uh, it, you don't need to know that. But yeah, he's got a whole rant about that, that kind of seems noble, but then you go like, well, and you just did burn you them? throw it away? Did you burn it? Did you yeah. break it? They're like, like breaking it and like holding it up as like I broke it. like that. I get yeah. like if it's playable and you can hear the music still. There's something <laughs> wrong about that. I don't know. It's very simplification, but like yeah. anyway. it, it comes across a little bit. Some of the stuff with his obsession with oi and like really wanting to prove that oi and skinheads or skins are like good people. You know, these kind of salt the earth kids and really his story and he really identifies with all the British stuff and the clash and all this stuff and shame 69 and all this stuff and it's like it kind of comes across as the guy that collects Nazi paraphernalia you know what I mean like like oh I got this plate you know with uh, I know yeah and you're like oh man I, I get it's like, just history man it's... yeah exactly it gets a little weird but like they do really, you know, I think Large just likes to walk into a lot of situations where that you could be like, oh no, is it finally happening? And then you're like, no, it's fine. He's just right. kind of <laughs> a dope about it. You know, like some of the stuff with the like really embracing his uh, Denmark history, you know, his, his day yeah, and yeah. like he really likes Viking right. and all that gets really like right on the edge. And then you look right. it up and you're like, oh, I don't know. He just had this really proud, you know, like <laughs> his mom was like had an accent and like had been, you know, I think his family had problems with the not like they there was all this passed down like fascism is bad in his family and all this right. stuff. So like you go, Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. Uh, wait, right. never mind, I'm fine with this. You know, but like it's like it's like it's almost like one of those comedies where you constantly is popping up as like a herring, <laughs> you know, and you're going, Oh you know, like and And each time it's like, Oh, okay. Oh no, yeah, we're fine. But, uh yeah, it's like an Austin Powers joke or something. Right. You know? It's like that it's that on the nose, right? But he always does. They really want to talk about this period of England. They really idealize it because it's about working class kids doing something interesting. And um, the Clash is obviously a part of this. And right. then I think there's been various songs throughout their history where they're kind of trying to merge those two ideas. And maybe that's kind of this other layer to this is that it's an Oi Ska song, which actually turns it into very. Uh, the, the thing we kind of want to talk about is that this is kind of a stiff song right like right. I think there's a version of this song like later they could have made because again I'm liking yeah. some of these lyrics quite a bit right uh, but they're trying to match it to Oi which is an incredibly let's be honest like kind of 4-4 four, four yeah, 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 yeah gang vocal sort of everybody can sing along all the white kids can sing along and then you know ska and reggae is not and they're sort of <laughs> learning how to do that and they're trying to wrap it all up into one you know, and, it definitely and I don't think that, all this and they just weren't. I don't think they were there yet. Like I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. If they tried to do this song, you know, three years later, I think it would be a totally different thing. Yeah, I wonder if like live it was like way better or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe just the writing is bad. You know, like like they would have to reapproach this. Maybe there's certain songs we could even look to in yeah. the future where they do do this better. But um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I could see a lot of back half of Life Won't Wait songs being kind of like. If they hadn't written this song, you don't get those songs, you know. Right. Um, 
And I so, mean, if, if they didn't do this, I mean, do you get time bomb or you get time bomb? Do you get I don't know. Yeah, all that? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of more and more. This is starting to feel like a Keystone song. In it is. Ways. It's, yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I kind of said that. It's like, yeah, this feels like a really important song, and I yeah, exactly. But I feel very the actual song itself. Like I again, I agree. That these lyrics are really good, but the like music, it's it's flat. It's just kind of like there. <laughs> it's but it's uh, I don't know it's it's such an interesting um, kind of dichotomy where it's super important, but I, but it, I mean it's a super yeah. I think it might be in the end a super important failure which I love yeah, seeing the failures of people who I you know enjoy agreed. their stuff a lot I love I love seeing it being though like Ooh, what did they learn when that one wasn't as good you know, right and especially more interesting and especially like that I mean you you hear what they learned nine months later yeah exactly and it's just like oh shit okay like they really took some lessons from this and and maybe you know we're comparing it to them getting much better if you were in 1994 you liked Op Ivy Rancid and then this song comes on this punk room and you're like whoa what's Rancid going like where are they going yeah like that might have been like this I love this song this is this new world I'm so excited even though it was a prototype Kind of in the way we think of, we're starting to think of Let's Go as being a prototype right. of Good Rancid. It's like, yeah, yeah, but if it's the first time you heard it and you were along the way with them on the journey, you're gonna, it's gonna mean a lot more to you. You know what I mean? So absolutely. And then, so a few years later, I don't actually, for some reason, I don't have. I feel like it's like ninety seven, ninety eight, but it must be like ninety six. Was um, Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack mm-hmm. came out, and Rancid was on that as a. Uh, they did a version of the song that almost sounds like an overdub of the song, but it might be a different take with the Severn All-Stars, which they were hanging out with a lot. This New York kind of master group conglomeration of a bunch of New York ska. And New York ska around that time was a little bit more formal and a little bit more like the Slackers, what the Slackers would end up right. being. I think Vic was in the Severn All-Stars. Um, at some point, we need to talk about the leader of the Severn All-Stars is King Jongo. Django, you know, and uh, he is a Jewish man who likes to combine klezmer music with ska and speaks with a patois, like sort of Jamaican <laughs> thing going on, and has huh. this ridiculous cyberpunk reggae album on Hellcat that is the worst thing in the world. But I remember listening the hell out of it, but going, This might be the worst thing I've ever heard while listening to the hell out of it. <laughs> Uh, so I've at never some heard point, we might want to dive into them and him and and like I really like the stubborn also tracks on the given the boot con- soundtrack like I really like them and they sort of seem like kind of this focal point moment of East Coast sky you know in the 90s so kind of an interesting thing that I've never really gone back to um and the only one I really knew was the little they pop up here and there and then I liked <laughs> I liked I don't even know if I liked this weird record from the from the lead singer. But uh, it seems like a lot of things I ended up liking, like the Slackers and, and, right. and whatnot, came from this like kind of all-star group. Um, and so they redo a version, but it's somehow more um, stiff, or it's like that same yeah. beat that is that is betraying the song a little bit in the in the original version. It's even more stiff, but they add horns. They had a kind of backup singer just kind of wailing, you know, like kind of yeah. soul singing with no, maybe kind of doing the chorus. Um, and 
gets a little bit more like you hear that you have an organ and stuff and it kind of makes it worse which you know it's not all right, that good of a song in the first place um and it's kind of wild to me that i mean i guess the answer is kind of talking about like when we said if they re-recorded this a few years later i wonder if they were like oh yeah, now yeah. we have the players to do the song the, the way we yeah. wanted it to and so they tried again but i think the core structure of the song just kind of and the tempo I, yeah i think you've work. got to rework the song a lot more to get yeah. it there um yeah i, I <clears throat> not not a big fan of the yeah this does bring up which we don't expect forever on but i think there's a context that maybe younger people miss out on and some of the older people would like to remember which is like in the 90s i feel like the 90s especially yep. like, which in my mind is like 88 to 98 you know is the real right right <laughs> uh there was a thing about uh kind of post alt music especially where movie soundtracks like the sort of song based soundtrack was like the power of a playlist or mixtapes yep. times a billion because they were just so big and yeah. there was this sort of there was this sort of building thing from indie world into mainstream music of oh this is actually how you get success in the music industry the right. biggest songs in the world like so, I, I don't even want to talk about like much about like bodyguard uh titanic you know right to excel like there's some super big ones that like rush <laughs> whole careers that people are making millions off of daily today you know what i mean like yeah uh, but then there's i mean i think singles is, is yeah that's the one that's right? like the like, one at least for my for me like that was um god i remember that came out and uh it was, and, 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 I mean, in this, we kind of talked about this last time, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like every song on there from those bands, it's like they're, it's just one killer song after another. Like when I think of Alice in Chains, that's the song I think of. And, yeah. Well, 100%. I kind of, I kind of think of Rooster now because it's like become a meme thing. Meme, but, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean that god that is like that song that and that uh, i mean i can just hear it right now that course into the flood about, like this, the sort of like this ain't no mega man this place is fuck sort of vibe like yeah this came out early enough that like it was still in like the wave of seattle that like it made too many people move here and all that stuff you know and uh yeah like so that one kind of kicks it off and you get things by like um like um I'm looking at the track list for singles. Sorry. I'm just, I forgot <laughs> that's where, like, it has, like, the best Smashing Pumpkins song on it. And it's mm. got, I, I don't know. It's got the Temple of the Dog song. I think that's how everybody learned that song. Right? Uh, I don't. It's not one of those songs that was, like, a more obscure early grunge hit. Got it's got, like, Mother Love Bone on it. Oh, I think it was probably just the Mother Love Bone song. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's got, God, that Paul Westerberg song. Just, like, like both. Oh, my, it's, this soundtrack's ridiculous. God, I forgot Mudhoney was on it. 
Um, and I mean, then it's got like everybody. It's got that nearly lost you from Screaming Trees, which is again <laughs> the song you sung to. Oh my god! It's um, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that you know, it, it eventually evolved all the way to like you can look at like Batman Forever, right? Like right. You two song, the Seal song, the way we consumed sometimes like just pop culture was through these things but also there was this sort of there was these moments where sometimes we consumed whole genres or like movements they would like grab a, a chunk yeah. of sound and make it be like i think lost highway being like a lot of people's introduction to industrial you know that's yeah. where people heard, heard ramstein and that's where perfect drug came out i think um i think so and you know there's but then it just it just became the thing you know we were talking yep. about like natural born killers gross point blank like these were like i think the, the last crow. time this oh, happened yeah. and a lot of people sort of sheepishly talk about how they this happened to them was with like a, one of these was um what's the awful indian movie from zach braff garden state garden state yeah the garden state soundtrack being like the beginning of the second wave indie in the 2000s was like shins and all these you know totally mm-hmm. fine you know early bands from that sort of pitchforky um you know harmless but fine iron and wine all that stuff uh and some of those records are totally great and solid indie rock records when you want to hear them but like i think a lot of people went through that weird thing of like the soundtrack means more than the movie and it kind of mm-hmm. got them to go listen to a bunch of music that was the last time i can think of that happening at all right and when but in the happened? 90s it was like non-stop oh it was like ever i mean that was that was as it felt like as much as as part like you had the movie which was always something but the soundtrack was kind of this equally important like cultural artifact yeah i mean and, and if you didn't I have mean, that kind of spotting alone think about how many people oh, heard like iggy pop for the first time oh i know i mean i'm like i'm i'm looking all these up right now and because i you know trying to remember all the stuff that was on there and it's just like oh my god or like the crow i mean i don't oh yeah i, mean, I don't remember yeah, shit about the crow i mean i remember that brandon lee died and that's about it. Yeah. That's about it. But then, you know, you go and look at the soundtrack. It's got, yeah, I mean, God, yeah, Nine Inch Nails doing a Joy Division cover, like yeah, oh, that's right, Jesus. Uh, I mean, yeah, like uh, I mean, yeah. It was a way for. Again, the other thing we have to point out about this was CDs cost eighteen to twenty bucks. Yeah. Then. <clears throat> you know, like and right. they were all artificially inflated. You know, the, it turns out they should have been about seven bucks, but back then they were they were super artificially inflated from the 80s the prices never came down because there was an agreement between all the record labels to not do that and then um and i mean money was tight we were i mean if you think about inflation between now and then 20 bucks was an insane amount of money right if you're a kid trying to get into cool music or like you'd go get the gross point blank to learn about the 80s music you know you right. go get romeo and Juliet. Juliet to kind of get the like especially you know there's a lot of queer awakenings to that soundtrack you know like there's a all this sort of stuff this sort of British this Euroist like I don't even know what the Trainspotting soundtrack it kind of had this cool drugged out uh, tone to it you know like all these I mean what would Queen be to these to our you know 90s generation without uh, without Wayne's right Right. Queen was gone from the the conversation like nobody gave a shit yeah Yeah. I mean it's just like there these were really important cultural things and they were driven by like huge hollywood machines and it was very important to get on them and there was these just these huge compilation soundtracks 
and you know, Tibetan Freedom Concert isn't exactly a movie, though there was the documentary, which it is a soundtrack to, but that's another one that's amazing and has Rancid on it, um, covering The Heart of the Come, right? I think. I think yeah, I think so. Um, but like, Rancid had a couple. They had the Beavis and Butthead. They did the South Park album, which is not actually the movie, but just it was part of an episode, and it had a couple of the songs on the episode, right. and then they just had a whole soundtrack with actually Isaac Hayes doing stuff. And... Um, uh, what that's like Brad Logan I think is on that um, or Ben I, Zanata one of the one of the B named right, <laughs> <men's> <laughs> uh, but yeah like it is just something worth listening to and going back the one that because I'm a little bit older uh-huh. or sorry in, incorrect I'm, a lo- I'm yeah. younger I'm, I go further into the 90s one of the ones that I think some touch some people in this I really want to hear from anybody if this is a thing for them but like a massive, massive touch point for me musically that I can still think about and I might go listen to after this is the Spawn soundtrack. The Spawn soundtrack was metal bands with electronica bands, kind of at the height of big beats, kind of electronica crossover, like Crystal Method. And it's all just like Metallica with Prodigy and like... Oh, I remember that. Vaguely. And it's and it's all very like industrial because it's like the well what do you do with that at the time you know it kind of it's in a way like oh my god yeah it's kind of like the way Judgment Night like had that idea of like rap and rock you know, right like, I'm just looking at these combinations and I'm like <laughs> butthole surfers man. and Moby <laughs> that track is incredible okay, like, I, wow the, like Incubus with the with the soul like DJ you know, Grayboy. Oh yeah, and DJ Graber and Slayer with song. Atari Teenage Riot. Yeah, those? yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, like they're hilariously like interesting, atmospheric, very like. Oh, I didn't even fucking put the Hacker soundtrack. I mean, if you're uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the right age, you know, like me, like a certain later '90s kid, uh, the Hacker soundtrack is like wildly important. So, but like, it is really like. The accessibility of like mixtapes in the um it's almost like because we didn't have CDRs for a while, yeah. these became our mixtapes. Like we were still doing I was still making mixtapes on tape well into the nineties, like oh, into like ninety nine. I don't because think that was the only way to share a, a sort of playlist, right? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm thinking of um when I had my first C D burner, it was probably like ninety eight, seven or eight. I guess maybe and, and you're pretty and, far ahead. Well, and that. yeah, I mean, my like, uh, my dad was a computer programmer, so we were always like early adopters for things like that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I remember the first CD compilation I ever put out on my old label called Cactus Gum, having to like master it onto DAT because CD yeah. like it, that like you couldn't burn a CDR. Yeah, I remember looking up how to do. CD printing in the 90s and they say well you have to send it off to go get the data it's like yeah. the way vinyl works you know now it's like or always where you had to go get the stampers it's like uh yeah you have to go like that's right you had to have this like middleman go put it onto a format that they'd actually accept yeah it because were, and because yeah. of that you didn't have the flexibility like every other generation almost had more mixed taping going on because it was more like the format of choice mixed with it, which was like CDRs, and then eventually just, you know, and playlists, yeah, and playlist, and now you know these right. free playlists, and then you know tapes. You know, if you were going to use a tape anyways, and somebody handed you a taped version of something or a mixtape, it's all the same. 
Versus like when I handed somebody a mixtape, they'd have to be like, okay, I can only listen to this in my car. You know, like, right? Like tapes were <laughs> shrinking, right? Yes. So like, I think there's the, there's yeah. this magical moment of we still kind of had a monoculture, you know, all these things. When '90s soundtracks had weight that we'll never get back to. No. I guess the other one that I've heard in terms of like that nobody realizes is. Um, as much a thing for especially younger like if you were in middle school uh, the enter the spider-verse soundtrack which is actually quite good um the soundtrack to the animated one like has this like second life where it never gets off the top 10 because oh, kids wow. like it so much so that's that's the only other one i can like hear it's, it's totally solid but like got a couple tracks that are really really good um but we just don't get that as much anymore like we don't like even like i said something that could be seems like for certain groups of people kind of a a watershed moment yeah no it's I mean, not it's... the way that like i would have known about it in the 90s you know right. what I mean? like i wouldn't have had to have somebody like explain that to me that it was that big of a record you know what i mean like it all happens in the shadows now and it can be still really big impact but it's happening in these smaller groups and in the 90s it was happening all at once so I bet a lot of people heard Rancid for the first time, and I know for sure. Weirdly enough, Butthole Surfers was all over these. They were. They whoever their manager was was doing a hell of a job because they were. They were. They were on like every day. <laughs> and how many people heard a weird ass Butthole Surfers track? Because and can bring that up back up into their mind, right? Because of like, weren't they on Romeo and Juliet? Too? I think like so. Were, I'm pretty sure. I, <laughs> you know, like they were on all uh, of them. Man. They were, I, I think it was just like the 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 label had invested so much in them, and they did that one song that was the biggest song of all time. And that sounds like, like nothing like yeah, <laughs> any exactly. of their other songs. And then they're like, "Well, we just have to keep pushing them," you know, because we like it's kind of sunk costs sort of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going other than like it's fun to think back, and it's 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 worth even going back to some of these. Um, and and thinking about that from the perspective of like, I have. 20 cds you know and then i get this and now i have access to between 10 and yeah 30 sometimes you know uh new artists that i mostly have kind of heard and it could open holes things you know and so something as dumb as beavis and butthead do america which i don't think had a lot of like throughput or clarity to it if i remember it i know i had it because the rancid song and um i think the big song on it was the uh, red hot chili peppers cover of of roller coaster yeah that? yeah oh my god i i forgot about it but yeah no, yeah, I, yeah. I, um, that's what like so so many people went off about that because they loved the stupid red hot chili peppers cover of roller coaster and they heard a weird rancid ska song <laughs> and that might be their like major overriding yeah. rancid memory you know like there's something so powerful to these and uh I mean, maybe at some point we'll hit some of their other ones, but uh, no. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I have compilations and soundtracks were. I mean, the compilations was a different. It was the yeah, similar idea, but a it's a, vibe. Yeah. but it's. A, I think that's a different conversation. But soundtrack. I mean, it was. I yeah. I don't think it's hard. I, I think it probably going to be would be hard for people who weren't around. Like it's. Just, it seems so weird that and yeah, you know, it's, it's so weird how like how much like cachet and, and like yeah well and i these were considered very cool but they're like put out by disney and right Brothers. well and i mean i even and i'm even sitting here like thinking about um like the 
seal kiss from a rose video and it's got like batman and fucking are like in the video with like seal it's it's so absurd but it like that's what it was and it seemed to make sense at the time um maybe i don't actually i don't know if it made any sense but i mean that was you know i mean obviously it was just the big kind of the mid crossover everything kind of made sense we were trying to (laughs) culture out of all this stuff that wasn't really built to be mainstream yeah and it was kind of working and everything was you know very weird and yeah and yeah you're right compilation had the same the same reason for for these being popular compilations were also important but compilations have a very different yeah do they mean a lot to me but very different like there's like two tracks that were caused by the same uh sort of set of um the world what was happening in the world right i can't talk and uh and they were (laughs) but they were i they mentally feel very different to me yeah no i think a lot about giving the boot and all these other i think that's a different convert because yeah yeah, that's like a whole other hour-long conversation so i'm not gonna get into it because we've already been going on for a long time but the reason those were important was the same a lot of the same things created that that like environment where they were very important so yeah anyways okay that was a lot but i I, no yeah thanks for for going down that memory lane absolutely god i kind of i'm gonna have to just go and dig through some of these soundtracks now and uh yeah, I'm, I have to go listen to that Alice in Chains song like, as soon as we get done here because it's just <laughs> playing on a loop in my head right now. Um, it's a great song. It's a great song. Um, okay. I have, some, I have some problems with Alice in Chains, but go ahead. Oh, I have a lot of problems with Alice in Chains. I can't fucking stand Alice in Chains, but um, I just like that song. It's got that hook for that chorus. Is yes, it's true. You're, you're, you're valid. <laughs> All right, well, what are we doing next time? Uh, oh yeah okay so uh, went back and forth on this for a while but um, we're gonna go back to Rancid 2000 or Rancid Rancid <laughs> as we, yeah um, Rancid Rancid because we've still only talked about it like twice so um, so yeah we haven't burned it no and so we're gonna talk about Poison oh <laughs> and, yeah, we're, and we're gonna have to like start it just by going ah you know like his, yeah exactly <laughs> Anyway, um, I'll have to get real jacked up. I know, yeah. Drink a lot of coffee before that one and um, do some jumping jacks or something. Actually, that, yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Well, if anybody has any feedback or, you know, I don't know if there was a soundtrack that, like, that really left its mark on you, like, oh, yeah, totally. I would love to get some, like, views on soundtracks. Yeah. Um, you can holler at us on Twitter and Instagram at RancidPod. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you, Sam. Later. Now it's it. You forgot to do your thing. Uh, uh, you fucked it up. I, yeah, yeah, now it's me. <laughs> I'm also okay. just realizing that I never actually went back and listened to the Beavis and Butthead version of this song. <laughs> oh, so you've never listened to the Stubborn Allslaves version at all? Uh, like a long time ago. Yeah. I'm listening to it right now. I was going to say, you should you should do at least a run through it. It's not wildly different. It's just got it's more just, instrumentation. Well, it's got horns. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Man. I don't like this very much. 